You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. I'm Barbara McGinnis, partner and certified elder law attorney at Tagus McGinnis Elder Care Law. Today, we're speaking with Daryl Woodcock, the owner of Apex Financial Planning, about hidden fees associated with investing. Welcome, Daryl. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. Um, I know you've been on the show before, but just in case people aren't listening to them together. Yes, thank you. Glad to be back. Uh, I do own Apex Financial Planning here in Sumner County. Uh, I've been in the business 16 years. I am a certified financial planner and fiduciary. So at this point in my career, I mainly handle the more complicated cases. Um, But, you know, that's not to say we we don't take on, uh, you know, someone looking to start and get on the right path. We don't have to have millions to come to you? No, and I was just joking about that. So I do have a high minimum, uh, but that's used mainly just to weed out people that, you know, we may not want to work with. I I don't care if you have $5,000 or $500. If you're a great person and you're wanting to try and get started, I'll help you. Oh, that's good to know. So how do financial advisors get paid? That's a great question. And a lot of people think they know the answer to that, uh, but it's very complex. So to break it down as simply as I can, there's two categories. There's your commission advisors, and that's kind of seen as the old school way. Uh, It's, you know, buy my product, I make a commission, and that's that's how I get paid, and that's the end of it. Then you have your fee-based advisors, and that fee may be a consultation fee with no product sales, or it may be an asset management fee, where based on your account size, you know, I may make 1% uh, of that value each year, uh, and that's how the advisor would get paid in that role. So, and then what about with transactions? Does the number of transactions that are made in your account, does that influence fees? It should. So if you're, let's say you were starting out and you were thinking of which way should I go? Should I do a commission-based advisor or an asset management fee-based advisor? One thing you should think about is, you know, am I going to have multiple trades? Will I be sending multiple deposits into the advisor where he would be making trades on a regular basis? If that's the case, then you may want to lean towards the fee-based model because there's no transaction fees normally for the client. All that is absorbed by the advisor through the annual fee. Uh, But if you're just starting out and maybe you have a thousand bucks, you're just wanting to get started. uh, The commission style, while it does sound like, oh man, I don't want to pay a commission, but the way the fee structure works, that one-time fee would be your best bet over the long term because you're only going to have that one transaction. I guess I'd never thought... I guess I've just never even really thought. I assume that it has something to do with the amount of work you made. What about those folks that advertise? I don't even remember the name of the company that they advertise. They don't make money unless you do. And that I guess they get paid off of your growth. 
Yeah. So, um, Fisher is one that advertises and I honestly love their commercial that, that they operate the same way. My practice operates where we charge a flat fee. You know, my fee is normally about 1% of the account size. And the way it's structured is if your account does better then obviously since my fees based off your account size, I do better. And if you lose money, my, my uh, fee obviously results in a lower payout to myself. So when your account does better, I do better. When it goes down, my fee goes down. Yeah, see, I like that. Uh, I like because I feel then that we've got mutual skin in the game. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's the, in my opinion, it's the preferred way to go. And of course, I got about the disclosure. Obviously, this is just generic talking and not uh, speaking to anyone's particular case. But in my opinion, the fee based model is definitely the best way to go. So, what about a fees associated with particular products like annuities? Yes. Yeah. So I'll be honest, fees is a passion of mine because there's so many different ways advisors, especially the bad apples in my industry, can hide fees and manipulate what's being shared to the client. And most clients don't know where to look at. They don't know how to compare the products. And annuities are one of those uh, products where what they're designed for is great, but most annuities pay a really high commission. And so what happens is your bad apples get a hold of these high commission products and they just sell them to anybody that walk in the door. And so you want to really compare the options, especially with annuities and check out the fees. Annuities tend to be one of the higher uh, products as far as fee goes. Uh, and for example, if you compare an annuity, you may have a fee of 3% altogether and compare that to a stock where you may have less than 1% in fees. And you take that and factor 20 years of investments, though that 2% gap really adds up over time. You mean it's not a one per, one time 3%? They're going to charge you 3% each year? Yeah. And so every, I mean, there's hundreds of annuities, but m- most of them have a really high annual fee, especially if you buy some of the annuities that have these things called riders. Every rider pretty much has an additional fee to it. And over the last, you know, almost two decades of me uh, practicing, I've seen the average fee of annuity between two and a half and 3% total. And the insurance agent that sells those, you know, they get paid a really high commission up front from the insurance company. And then the insurance company makes up that high commission over time by charging those excessive fees. So if you're only, if your annuity has a guaranteed 4% per year growth, 3% is going to the broker or the insurance agent. Could be. Yeah, it could be. Again, there's all kinds of riders, so I don't want to speak to that. Um, Sure. It's the same way for all of them, but you really have to look at that, especially like the illustrations when you're buying the product, Uh, it should disclose the fees and you should be able to compare that to the rate of return. And most annuities are not, very aggressive and therefore their rate of returns pretty much on the lower side when you compare it to traditional investments. Mm -hmm. Yes. If your investment's going to make 6%, but three of it's going back to the company's fees, you're not really doing that great, especially when you're having to lock your money in for an extended period of time that comes along with owning an annuity. Okay. You know, we do have a lot of clients that come in and some of them have they love annuities. They have five, six annuities or more, 
And some people come in and they shudder at the thought of an annuity. And I'm not sure they understand why, but I'm beginning to understand why um, they have those feelings about annuities. And, and I, know, I do hear you. Of course, we're not saying that any one product is bad or good. You're just saying research and know how your product is being paid for and understand it as when you're making your decision about how to invest your money. I guess there are fees associated with mutual funds too. Yes. Yeah. So everything has a fee and then I always joke, you know, no one works for free in the financial world. So you obviously you want to find out how your advisor is paid. You need to find out how their company is paid. And one thing that a lot of people forget about is you're in the investments you own in your account they're owned by a company and they expect to get paid somehow. And with mutual funds, especially if you Google, let's say any mutual fund, American funds, growth fund of America, for example, you'll find over 15 different options for fees for that one investment, exact same investment, just different fee structures. And that's called the share class. And you have all these different options. And all it boils down to is how the advisor wants to get paid. And for example, you have the traditional A share, which is supposed to be your long-term investment uh, fee structure. You pay that commission up front, and then you own that investment forever. Like if you don't, if you do not sell it, you don't pay another fee. It's it's yours, and you can even exchange it for other funds within American funds. And a lot of people don't understand that. And what happens is they buy this fund, they pay this upfront commission. And then three or four years later, their advisor goes, you know what? We need to buy this other investment with Fidelity, for example. And with that comes a new commission. And if they would have known how the fees work, they would have been like, no, let's stay with American funds because I've already paid my dues. I've already paid my commission. And if I stick with that company, I don't have to pay anything else. And that goes back to saying you really need to understand how your advisor gets paid, because if if your advisor is getting paid based off commission and he's recommending trades that result in a commission, that's a conflict of interest, in my opinion. And you need to really investigate what's pushing that change. I mean, it would be a conflict if we were talking about a certified financial planner who is a fiduciary. Is it still actually a conflict if we're talking about a person who is a financial advisor designate designation? That's a great point. So it depends on the type of account. If it's a retirement account, technically all financial advisors have to act in the client's best interest. However, if it's a non-retirement account, they just have to do what they believe is suitable. So if the new trade is suitable, then technically they can get away with it and there's no issues. Mm. And that just goes back to the point earlier. You need to work with a fiduciary. Uh, we talked about this in the last podcast. Uh, obviously, I am a CFP and I'm certified and a fiduciary, some partial. But I believe everyone should work with a fiduciary in a discussion period. I agree. I do agree. Um, so I think thank you talked about as we're just kind of finishing this line sort of or train of thought about fees associated with various investment products, um, you may have already mentioned how stocks, trading stocks generates fees for advisors, but we just... Yeah. So stocks, it, it really depends on how the advisor gets paid. So in my accounts, I charge the management fee, right? And mm-hmm. 
uh, stocks do not have an annual operating expense. So outside of my management fee, there's no other reoccurring cost to own a stock. Now, if it's commission-based, then obviously when you purchase that stock, you'll have a commission in, and that's it. There's no other cost associated with it, which is one of the reasons I love stocks. They're low cost. Uh, you can control your capital gains and non-retirement accounts um, more efficiently than any other investment. Um, a, little, a little bit more risk comes along with them, of course, but for the right client, it's one of the best investments. Well, and I think everybody is feeling a little like I don't even want to look right now because there's so much talking about risk. There really is risk out there right now. Is uh, any sign of that getting better for us in the next 12 months? Yeah, yeah. So it's no crystal ball. And right. you know what day you turn the TV on, either the sky is falling or we're, we're in, uh, about to have a rebound. So a few, a couple months ago, the market shot up quite a bit and we thought, okay, great, here comes the rebound. Uh, then some not so great news across the world and that pulled back and September ended up being the worst month uh, since COVID, the COVID drop of March of 2020. So it was mm-hmm. a pretty brutal month. However, the stock market rarely drops below 20%. And when it does, the next three years have averaged a 10% gain each year. So if you close your eyes and wait three years, historically, your account will be up 30%. Uh, So anytime the market drops 20%, we tend to get really active with our clients and say, hey, if you do have some money that you can invest and associate the risk with it, I believe this would pay off long term. Now, of course, if you need your funds in the near future, then obviously you shouldn't do that. But we see this as more of a buying opportunity uh, than anything. Well, that's that does sound encouraging. It sounds like the positive side um, because this, we, we've all heard stock market goes up and it comes down and, and just ride it out, basically. Um, so back to let's talking about the financial advisors and hidden fees. How can they hide fees? Yeah, great question. So the, honestly, mutual funds are the most common investment. And I have found that they tend to be the ones where I can discover these hidden fees. For I'll give you just a story. I, I've had several clients come in and say, no, you know, I have a friend at church. He's managing my account. He's not charging me anything. He's just doing it because, you know, he's a friend. And I pull up their account and I go, actually, you know, there's a hidden management fee here. And they're like, they're like, show me. So I pull it up and sure enough, there's a 1% hidden fee that they did not know about. And so what you need to do, uh, and there's a three-step process and, and it can be uncomfortable when you're talking to your advisor about this, but at the end of the day, you're paying these fees and you should find out where they are. So like we mentioned earlier, find out if they're a commission-based or a fee-based advisor The second thing is ask for a full breakdown of all the fees. Say, I want to know how your company gets paid, how you're getting paid, and how the investment companies are getting paid. And when they provide you that list of the investments, you can easily go to Google and just type in the investment. And all these different websites will pop up with the public information related to that investment. And it'll show you the fees that are reoccurring and there's a little label that'll say 12B1, and that's the hidden kickback fee to the advisor. And if you're paying a management fee, that 12B1 fee should be zero, end of discussion. If it's anything other than zero, you need to be having a conversation with the advisor because 
uh, he's double dipping. He's charging you a management fee, and then the investment companies are giving him a kickback for using their funds. And that's the most common way to hide fees is, hey, I'm not going to charge you a commission. I'm, I'm just going to manage the account. And then they'll pick a share class, like we mentioned earlier, that has the built-in fees that you never see. Oh, my goodness. Not only do now I need to know how much money I have and where it is, I need to really know. I, I mean, I assume that financial advisors are getting paid. I just didn't realize there were so many different ways that that could happen. So that's something else for us to know. Um, so how does a regular <clears throat> everyday person find those fees associated in their investments? We got to look for this 12B1 thing. Yes. So there's a website called Fund Analy- Analyzer, Fund Analyzer. And if you type in just those two words, it'll pop up. It's through the uh, FINRA and you can, it's super user-friendly. It's meant for the average Joe to find out expenses on their funds. And I use the example of American Funds Growth Fund of America and pulled up the most common share classes that are used, which is the A share and the C share. And it will do a side-by-side comparison of the fees. And you can dictate how much money you have in those investments and the time period that you've owned them. And like I ran a quick analysis uh, just now. And if someone had $100,000 in that fund and left it for 20 years, if they pick the wrong share class, the fee expense difference is over $3,000. And that's the exact same investment, just being charged extra when you should not have been. And so that fund analyzer website will have every investment listed. It will show you every share class. And so you can take your statement and go, okay, I own the Growth Fund of America Class C. And it'll show you that investment and all the fees associated with it. And the, the general rule of thumb is if your investment fee is over 1.5% across the board, like all fees combined, then you, you need to start kind of really diving in. If you get close to 2%, it's safe to say you're getting overcharged in some manner. Um, and at that point, we recommend you know seeking a second opinion, finding a fiduciary, have them look at your statements. And advisors have special websites and tools that we can dig up every piece of information about investments and really show you, hey, yes, you're, you're paying an extra fee here that you didn't know about. It's inappropriate. We need to remove that. Well, that's good to know. Maybe we just need to do a little double checking. Thanks, Daryl. You're a great guest, and I appreciate all your information. That's it for today, folks. Thank you for listening. Takus McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Takus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there. 
free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.